Welcome to the Healthy Insider Podcast, where we help supplement and functional food brands create better products. Today's host is Todd Rundstedt, Senior Editor. Well, hello there, friends. This is Todd Runstead. I'm senior editor at uh, Natural Products Insider and New Hope Network. Welcome to another edition of the Healthy Insider podcast. Um, we're in for a real treat today. I'm here with Paul Schulich. Paul Schulich, as many of you may know, co-founder of the Legacy New Chapter Supplements Company, and also most recently for the Biome. Uh, at the start, it's a skincare company, uh, formulations that quote, speak your skin's language and, quote, awaken your skin, microbiome, and consciousness. Sounds very hippie, Mon. Now, uh, Paula, I've talked with you before, and you impressed me as, uh, as a, a, a visionary, an innovator, really just open to surprises, contradictions, opportunities, all those yummy things. So I thought that we could probably take this conversation from, I don't know, maybe a quarter century ago, maybe even go a half century, and I think we could just take this through the 22nd century. How about that? Uh, you know, because I think if there's one person who can hop on this uh, Thomas Jefferson airship and take us there, it might just be you. So uh, <laughs> buckle up, <laughs> buckle up, fellow listeners. Paul Schulick is in the captain's chair. So, uh, so Paul, let, let's just start off. New chapter, the supplements company, it was founded by you and your wife, Barbie, almost 40 years ago now. And, you know... I used to think 40 years ago was a long time. And then I was just reminded the other day that Kent state was 50 years ago. And I was thinking, boy, have I been listening to Crosby, Stills and Nash and Young that long? But, uh, but I guess time flies when you're having fun. So um, you uh, new chapter famously sold to Procter and Gamble only eight years ago and new chapter uh, for the uninitiated was a, a, an iconic pioneer. And one of the only, only a few companies in the so-called whole food supplement movement using a fermentation process. So with all this as prologue, here's the first question for you, Paul. In the last 25 years, it seems to me we have identified three new significant body systems. The endocannabinoid system, so, you know, no, conver no conversation would be complete without mentioning, uh, you know, yeah. CBD. So, but, but I think that's all we're going to leave for that. The endocannabinoid system. Then we also have the map of the human genome. And then we've got the, the microbiome. Pretty, pretty heady days for systems biology, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. I, I love that description of the, uh, of the triangle from endocannabinoid to genome to microbiome. It kind of each zone covers lifetimes of study and, uh, and focus. It's, uh, in each one, you, could, you can find a unifying principle, as, as you were describing them, Todd, I thought of the genome and the microbiome as not being, in many ways, uh, they're interdependent features in that the, we think of ourselves as our microbiome, but then we don't remember or don't think that that microbiome has thousands of times more genetic activity than our own human cell activity. So these things are all interconnected. And the endocannabinoid, of course, is what's obviously affecting the epigenetics. It's affecting when we take plant compounds, 
they're affecting our microbiome. So you take an, a you take a uh, a plant like cannabis, and then what happens when you eat that? What is it going to do when it interacts with your microbiome and your genome? So uh, you really stimulated a lot of thought for me. Yeah, that's really interesting. Now, I I don't believe you've had a role in the basic or applied research around the microbiome, but but you have excelled in really identifying clinical applications and really commercializing products that serve it. So can you just, let's just take a step back and describe for us, what is this thing called the microbiome? Well, when you say that, Todd, I I just want to say that back my first product that I created in 1982, that first product was actually a prebiotic and a probiotic product. And so that was with the appreciation that we are no better in some ways than our relationship is with our microbiome. So when we ask for what is the definition of that microbiome, it is basically the thousands of species that live live in us and on us and interact with us, communicate with us, and uh, and make our quality of life uh, or determine our quality of life. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's almost, uh, you know, parasites have a have a bad name, but it's really kind of a symbiotic <laughs> relationship. <laughs> totally, you know, like totally. It, you know, yeah. We used you to know, think I mean, that H pylori. We used to think that H pylori was this evil uh, microbe, but in reality, it's it's part of the of the biodiversity of what it, what occurs in the system. And if we completely wipe out E. coli, we completely wipe out. Uh, H. pylori, we end up with unforeseen consequences. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, not to get too far afield, but why not? It's almost like a like drugs, psychedelics, or yes, or, 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 right. or, or opioids. Opioids, even it's not so much that they're inherently bad. It's it's how they're being used. You know, um, it, it, it it's the tip of the intention. It's one of the famous stories in the Buddhist tradition of. It's all it's all on the tip of the intention. A, a knife in the hands of a robber versus a knife in the hands of a of a of a skilled surgeon. It, it's the same tool, but it works differently depending upon the intention. I love that. I love that. So, what's your vision of the microbiome for wellness oh. and and maybe the survival of our species? You know, should we go I, big I, or what? Yeah, thank you. I, I, I think we are at that, as a number of people have been saying, I think we're at that crossroads, that uh, proverbial inflection point where uh, we, to think of the human, the homo sapiens as being at the center of the universe is just not accurate. And, and the whole concept even of evolution is not as embracing holistically or what I refer to as true holism, we must consider a much larger format for humanity as part of a a one piece of a vastness that's incomprehensible. And, uh, and that's for lack of a better way, it was Einstein who said that either you look at the universe in two ways, Either everything's a miracle or nothing's a miracle. So I tend to land on the side that it's kind of a, of a miracle or it is a miracle. And you can't comprehend it per se, but you can appreciate it. 
And so what I think is the future is a embrace of one of the, uh, in the last 30 or 40 years, a, a new proposition for evolution that builds upon Charles Darwin's concept of the survival of the fittest is now uh, what's called the hologenome theory, which is really embracing a much broader perspective that we are in relationship to our microbiome and that we, and our biome for that matter. So everything that's in us and on us and around us are all, we're all interrelated. Yeah, I love that. Uh, the, the hologenome, that was popularized, I think, by Carl Sagan's wife. The, that's correct. Popularized. He popularized uh, billions b- before uh, before Bernie did, I think. Um, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> right. Right. So let, let let's just dive in there a little. I was going to hold off on that, but since we're on the subject, let's talk about the hologenome. I mean, is this the most important scientific field for the future? I mean, is this, is this where is this what's even yeah. next? And it's a shift in consciousness, Todd. It, I think that's really what it comes down to. Because it reminds me, if I may, if I may zoom in for a moment, the the idea that we, in our human intelligence, as brilliant and as incredible as it is, there is a certain certain hubris in it, and to think that we know, like we we know turmeric, for example, so that we know what is the most active molecule in turmeric called curcumin and we and we identify this one molecule that kind of hubris is the same um kind of uh i'd say imbalance of consciousness of awareness that gives rise to uh i think gives rise to our, our disease care system versus a health care system so we we don't fully get to the root of why we are not healthy or why we are uh, suffering is because we're not embracing a more holistic picture. So using turmeric as an example, turmeric will be, if we look at it on a micro level, and we look at it as just one constituent that makes turmeric so magical, we lose the, 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 the miracle of turmeric by just identifying the most active constituent. So the hologenome, the idea of holistically looking at something is really what, what, I, what I think is the future. And I know this might seem a bit, um, I'm jumping from a number of different subjects, but they all kind of interlink with, with, with put, taking, taking off your microscopic lens on your eyes and opening up to a wide angle lens. So you can kind of see, oh, we're not just one species here. We're thousands of species interacting. We're not just one plant here, one constituent in a plant. We're thousands of constituents in a plant, all interacting with each other. And and Todd, the consciousness is respecting, is respecting that integrity. And that's what I think lies ahead if we're going to succeed with things like defending against a viral assault like uh, like coronavirus we're gonna we're gonna need a um, a more holistic approach rather than just look at a vaccine or just look at washing our hands we're gonna need to look at it with a more s- systems approach does that make sense right 
Yeah, well, you know, it sounds like there's kind of a hole in our healthcare system. You know, America's yes. for-profit, for-profit disease management system is yes. pre- is prevention, is supplements, right? And is that kind of, yes. it's kind of left out there. Like insurance doesn't cover, <clears throat> um, not even food stamps cover supplements, you know, but you can get chips and Coke. You know, well, is, it, yeah, is there it, just like not enough money in supplements? Like why, what's going on with that? Oh, well, that's a great question. And that's the multi, multi-billion dollar, if not trillion dollar question. I think it, it relates back to uh, the, the centers of control and, the, and the, the monopoly of the medical industrial, food industrial complexes. That they were in, with the intransigency of the, uh, of the uh, current uh, way of thinking is that because it is a disease management incentivized system, we don't really look at, well, how do we keep someone from becoming obese or how do we keep somebody from becoming more prone to infection? We just look at at actually the the most surface approach. So I, I, I do think it's a shift in consciousness. And I think that's the, that's the part that can come from a crisis like this is that, well, our current way of dealing with this crisis is uh, is too one-dimensional. It needs to be much broader than it's currently uh, approaching. Yeah, uh, it, it seems like it's an opportunity. And uh, but boy, you know, you throw a couple trillion dollars at the uh, already uh, invested vested interests, and you know, geez. It's hard. Well, and so I, I, I go back and forth between hope and cynicism. You know? uh, yeah, thank you. And, you know, you know, it's like there's hundreds of millions of dollars are spent on lobbying Congress so that the 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 main and the media, the main messages that the consumer gets are about vaccines and washing your hands. They, you're not you don't hear anywhere near as much unless you're in our fishbowl about vitamin D or about the value of exercise or the value of certain herbals that might be important role players. You just don't hear that. And then, uh, you know, it, we need also to look at the mirror because not only is it that we are outgunned and outflanked by a massive pharmaceutical lobby and industry, we are also uh, unfortunately guilty of a bit of our own chicanery. So that what happens is we, 75% of our reishi is not reishi or 50 plus percent of our grapeseed is not grapeseed and on and on and on. Uh, like the American Botanical Council's adulteration project, each each month or two you hear about another botanical and how it is adulterated. And especially now when money is involved, people will sometimes put money ahead of uh, of, of ethics. And um, right. and so I think those are the real key issues. We must think of each other as our family. If we don't think of, if I don't think of you, Todd, as a member of my family, then I treat you as somebody I can make money from, and that um, that inherently can be problematic. Right. Right. So interesting. You you brought up just a, a couple of herbs, and you know I had some nice uh, echinacea tea last night, and then I chewed on the the echinacea at the end, and my my tongue just was sizzling and sparkling. You know, like when you take good echinacea <laughs> on your tongue, you could feel that. Sure. So I was, I was I was feeling really good about that. You know, I've I've always considered herbalists uh, the real 
salt of the earth types who are real the, the foundations of the natural products industry. And I know you're a certified master herbalist. And so, you know, you're, you're there in the Northeast, uh, at the Salem witch trials, were those witches railroaded? <laughs> yeah, I think they, they were that in part of their, I, I, I haven't studied it, so I don't know all of the details, but clearly those who are on the outside of of conventional thinking are often like what I would call uh, uh, punished for as part of the Semmelweis syndrome, where you you say it's important to wash your hands before you deliver a baby. And then if, if the conventional thought is like it was, that it's not necessary to wash your hands before you deliver a baby, then you are driven out of the trade and you are, uh, and you go insane in a, in a mental institution. So I I'd say that, um, uh, unfortunately we are still outliers and what I plead for more than anything, I think Todd is, as I hope to have a louder and louder voice as the, as our, as our new enterprise grows, um, I'd love to see an opportunity where our industry, our trade, uh, I mean, when you mention herbs, it's not just herbs, it's algae and it's mushrooms and it's, uh, and it's microbial life, all of these different forms. And it's, and it's animal life. It's like products like honey, for example, can be very healing. So, but it's a matter of getting to, uh, of the the larger format to to a dialogue, um, so that the like Japan for example, or you look at Bloomberg did a did a study last year of the healthiest countries in the world. Um, the United the Japan was in the top three. Sweden, I think Norway, um, rated very high. The United States was behind Cuba, like at 36, 37 in terms of healthy life expectancy. And so that's just, and we spend three or four times more than they do in Japan. And in Japan, you got almost 75% of the doctors are trained in herbal medicine. So, uh, so if you bring conventional uh, training, which is very important uh, in modern medical practice, and you blend it with traditional practice, you've got a formula for a much healthier healthcare system versus a, a, a almost bankrupt disease management system. Yeah, well I you know it sounds like we're we're looking at it the wrong way. Uh you know, we're looking that healthcare should be about patients and health. Really yes. this is a this is a profit center and when we say that we spend three or four times as much, that means that we have three or four times as much profits to go around, you know, That's and, exactly and right. the, 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 the patients are merely collateral damage in this, uh, in the profiteering of this sector of the economy, 18% of the GDP, which is healthcare. I mean, Oh, look, there's my cynicism coming in again. Yeah. Um, no, I, and, and I'm and Todd, I don't, I, I, I think the only way to change that is through a cri- is when there's a crisis. And when uh, it's interesting because I, I see it beginning to manifest now in uh, people 
um, and family members that were initially quite skeptical. This is like 30, 40 years ago when I got started. I started making, I started in the industry actually in 1979 with my health food store. So 41 years ago, I was in a health food store working with, uh, with people who were significantly unhealthy. And I was the only, one of the only people in all of New England who, who was somewhat trained in, in how to do it. And back then, there were many, 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 many skeptics. And uh, whereas uh, what I'm seeing now, that some of those people even a, a year ago were still skeptical, still thinking that um, this whole uh, herbal thing was a bit uh, goofy. And, um, and I'm having some of these people now, Todd, they're calling me and they're emailing me because in their guts, and I, th I think there's some wisdom in that, I think in their guts, they're feeling like we're not really getting everything that we really need here to combat this, uh, this new uh, challenge that's coming from nature. And so I think the answer does – what is that old expression? You need a thorn to remove a thorn. Well, you need something from nature to heal something that's as dark and as potentially lethal as this virus – viral assault is we the, the what i call the five kingdoms needs to be brought to bear and uh, we need to live with those and and understand those yeah i've i've heard you talk about the five kingdoms and i kind of always thought well we have the animal and we have the plant kingdoms and maybe we can toss in fungus but what what are these five kingdoms talk a little bit animal the 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 animal the plant the fungus the, the microbial and the algae; those are the those are the those are the five kingdoms. And so, in the algae, I, I have long been a a, a uh, I've been uh, reverential towards uh, astaxanthin. I think that that is an example, one of the examples of taking a constituent from from the algae, Hematococcus pluvialis, and and harnessing that. To protect humans um, in the microbial kingdom, there's there's vast amounts of research that can support how uh, it can help our digestion and and our systems re respond to stress. In the animal kingdom, we have, as I mentioned, honey, which is uh, like manuka honey or Swiss bee honey, which can have a profound uh, immunomodulatory effect and the fungus I, I, mushroom everybody is familiar with reishi or meitake or shiitake and these mushrooms the beta-glucans and all of these other uh, polysaccharides and triterpenoids that are in these mushrooms can have immense supportive effects so that can sometimes make the difference Todd between whether you're in a cytokine storm or whether you're you're just blowing your nose, and um, and I think that's the that's the big difference here is that uh, we need we need this this uh, five kingdoms more than ever today. Um, whether or not humanity will embrace it, I share with you, Todd, the cynicism gene. Um, I, uh, I I have my own version of it, and I. I go back and forth, but I find the cynicism gene doesn't always serve me so well. And um, and working on this, whether it was topically or in ingestibles, 
gives me an opera feeling like I'm, I'm it just reminds me of one of my favorite quotations from uh, Mahatma Gandhi, which was, uh, everything that you do is insignificant, but it's very important that you do it. So, um, so in my world, this is very important. Um, and I'm sure there's probably a thousand or thousands of little pods of people like what we have at for the biome that are conscious and that are working at um, at responding to nature's most recent challenge to homo sapiens. Yeah, you know, this is a fascinating conversation. We're here with Paul Schulich uh, of uh, For the Biome, and uh, we're going to get into a little uh, For the Biome, but not quite yet, because uh, this is a real fascinating conversation. Uh, there's this symbiotic relationship that we're kind of talking about now, and you know, it's between the plant and the animal kingdom, and it's not just the CO2 and oxygen, but it's more than yeah. that. And also, and, and also between the bacteria in us, like we were talking about before, you know, we can call them probiotics, and our, and our cellular makeup. And there's really more bacteria in us than human cells that kind of makes you wonder who's really in control here. Uh, Talk a little bit about some of these larger and smaller symbiotic relationships and interrelationships that that we've got. Um, you know, the the sun doesn't revolve around the earth after all. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well said, well said. That and, and it took how many hundreds or thousands of years for for us to figure that out. And what I love about that image, Todd, is that I believe that many of our current concepts will be as antiquated as the uh, sun, as the earth circuit, whatever it is, is that the, the yeah. earth revolves around the sun versus the sun, you know, the, that that will be the, 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 the idea that we're going to understand that we're, that we are a planet around the sun. And uh, so from my perspective, I think that our, it's our it's our idea that we have to kill the microbial kingdom. We have to master. We have to dominate. It's so it's so uh, aggressive, and so uh, not a perception of what I would call a yin or yang perspective, in that we feel like we have to dominate. Um, what we have to do is learn to better to listen. And so we need to, it's happening all the time, but instead of understanding the microbial kingdom, for example, and, and, uh, and the way we're dealing with it currently by sanitizing it and potentially creating a, a, a super germs, what we, are, what we need to do is understand how do we better uh, uh, facilitate a, uh, an appropriate environment. And I think our industry is understanding this, but we have to also understand that our industry is 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 a is a is very small compared to the to the dominating forces at play. And so, I, I the the microbial world is not something to be uh, de uh, detonated with a nuclear bomb, whether it's an antibiotic or it's a sanitizer. What we need to do is is cultivate. And, I, and this is an area where even our industry, I think, is a bit behind in terms of the whole notion of uh, probiotics. Is we still have a plethora 
of lots and lots of of, uh, of different uh, probiotic products. And some of them have some prebiotic entity in them. But what you really need to do is you need to have the prebiotic in, in adequate doses with the probiotic. And then you have to understand and teach people that the if you're under stress, for example, if you're if you're not managing the the COVID nineteen stories that are coming through, your nervous system is constantly in a state of fight flight freeze, and as a result, your immune system is going to be um, distracted from doing what it needs to do. So, this is a time when we need to teach holistically that it's not just the probiotic, it's not just the prebiotic and the probiotic, it's the entire environment that the person is in. We need to explain to people, and, and it's happening more and more now, teach them that they, they need to become more mindful, they need to pr probably practice mindful meditation, they need to do more breath work. You'll find a very close correlation between mind-body states and the microbiome. I learned about this 20, 30 years ago that a stressed individual has a very different uh, microbiome setup than a, a person who, who is more in harmony either with their stress or, or is in a more harmonious situation. So it's that harmony that we need to cultivate. And then lastly, that we need to understand it's not, it's what these, it's what these microbes are producing that really is what we're looking for. So it's what a new field that's emerging that I believe is gonna be really the future is the field of postbiotics. Is these, these um, the, the, what are sometimes referred to as the fermentate or the media, that after the supernatant, as the material, as the microbes grow in a, in a particularly rich media, they will create uh, tons, uh, not tons, but they'll create thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of compounds, like antimicrobial compounds, antiviral compounds, uh, that will be able to uplift and protect the system. That is fascinating. So, uh, Paul, what is it in your particular DNA that you seem to excel at being able to look over the horizon and develop health products around these real cutting-edge topics. Hmm. You know, what, what well, makes you take out know, there in Vermont? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, it's an interesting question. I, I, it, my first thought, like what, make, what allows me to think outside of the proverbial box, I think was my, my upbringing. I was, I, was, um, I was the son of a pediatrician, and I would go on house calls when I was four years old. Um, I was indoctrinated, uh, pun is kind of intended, uh, that, <laughs> right. that, um, that there was a, uh, I was watching when my dad would be greeting his patients, uh, the mothers and fathers at the, at the doors of the homes when he, when he would visit, do house calls. Those were the days when the doctor would do house calls. And it was really remarkable how I noticed even at a young age that the people instantly got seemed like they got well just looking at my dad. Um, and that's now we know that's called bedside matter or that we also give it a scientific name, a placebo 
but it's really the power of the mind. And so um, I understood early that it wasn't the drug necessarily that was getting the people better. It was my it was my dad's um, bedside manner. It was his kindness and, and loving nature. So I, it kind of made me question. Um, it was also that. It also, the other thing was my dad was in some ways a very conventional physician, and uh, he prescribed for me early on um, when I would get an infection, like everybody was prescribed in those days. I was on routinely antibiotics, and um, and one time I got so sick, um, my dad actually was very concerned uh, from the antibiotic response that I had that uh, he actually gave me a product, if I remember correctly, was called Bacid. Um, and this is like, I don't know, it had to be like 60 years ago. And it was like one of the first probiotic products. And uh, inst- uh, like overnight, I started feeling better. And my dad would call it poop pills. Um, but uh, I, I realized that there was something much more than the drugs that my dad was giving me. And then Later on, when I was older and I still had other digestive issues, the drugs didn't work. The drugs made me worse. And I was in college, and I realized that I had to find something else. Otherwise, I was going to get really sick. And um, and that's when I discovered herbal medicine in 1973. So it was really back then that I started thinking, okay, if you, if I want to stay alive with this body that I was that I inherited, I need to think differently than the conventional system was thinking. Yeah, that is fascinating. So let, let's dial down a little in, into for the biome. Sure. Because, because you know, the, the microbiome, I think of it as kind of everything between, uh, you know, where food goes in and where food goes out. But, yes. but for the biome, is, is kind of, it's kind of a skincare company. And, and people, I think, forget that the largest organ in the body is actually the skin. And yes. so, so, you know, good products require good ingredients. And a lot of times that means expensive ingredients. And so does having a skincare company for the biome make it easier to access these high quality expensive ingredients because of just the historic stratospheric prices of cosmetics? Like, d- does that make it more approachable for consumers? I'm, I'm, I'm just assuming you're uh you know, you're a high quality guy and you're accessing expensive, uh, high quality ingredients. And so maybe there's a high price point for, um, for these products. It's the same script and the same blueprint, I should say, Todd, that I, that I worked with when I started a new chapter in 1982. It was, it's really, it's, it's deciding on your concept of what you need, whether it's uh, for protection against cigarette smoke or or balancing an inflammatory response or in supporting the immune system. You, you have to figure out what is your unique contribution to the world, and then you choose your allies from what I call the five kingdoms. And, um, and then after you choose them, you must select the best in class. Otherwise, you, it's like you go to the supermarket and you uh, you get a, a hothouse tomato that you don't really want to eat versus your local uh, organic market farm market which is succulent and 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 you can't wait to dig into it 
um, you must get the best material. And I always say the most expensive product is the one that doesn't work. So you must get the best. You must get the the best material, and and I've seen that with reishi. I've seen that with uh, every herb, ginger. That's why I bought a farm in 1994. I I I, I bought an organic farm because I needed the best ginger I could possibly find, and I couldn't guarantee I could always get organic. So I bought a farm in Costa Rica. Um, so that to me is is a key. You've got to get. You've got to choose who your best allies are you've got to then get the best in class and then you've got to prepare them properly so whether it's fermentation or supercritical extraction you've got to be able to you've got to be able to get the best in class prepare it properly and then and then you've got to formulate it properly you've got to create synergies so um, we know that for example green tea combines very well with turmeric uh, it's, it's uh, historically, epidemiologically, it, it combines well. People do well. Memorial Sloan Kettering found that when you combine green tea and turmeric together, they enhanced each of their some of their core constituencies. Were very happy with the with the combination, and that just reinforces how herbal medicine was practiced for thousands of years. So basically, I'm just following the blueprint from the past. And I, the one thing is that I look at for the biome not as a as a skin health company, I look at it as a wellness company. And, um, and I just chose to focus on the skin first, going outer to inner. Um, but I am actively engaged right now in, in, uh, in the ingestible, going back into that market, uh, hopefully in the next few months. All right. So, so I'm a guy, middle-aged, and we are told to age like cowboys, you know, all wrinkles and chapped skin, like our leather saddles. <laughs> sure. What, what, what do these products look like? Uh, you know, creams, masks. I, I hear masks are in vogue these days, but I think it's a different kind. What, what does the product lineup look like? Why don't you describe that? Uh, it, it, essentially, what, what, uh, because I am such an advocate of fermentation uh, and understand and appreciate, not only are you making existing compounds or botanicals and mushrooms and algae more active or more bioavailable, you're also making them safer to use. So what I, what I do is I take uh, mushrooms and com more common ingredients or, or concepts like aloe, for example, or oats, and I make, I find the best aloe that I can find in the world. And I find the best oats that I can find in the world. And, and then I make them even better by fermenting them. And, uh, and people's experience, those are, uh, there's a, uh, there's three different products that I've created that are, um, that are designed for, uh, they're what I would call waterless systems uh they one is a uh, is a cleanser that's uh, that that's rooted in in oats another one is an is a cleanser mask that has um that has mushrooms and oats in it and then another product is a uh is with aloe and oats that can that can be either a mask or a cleanser and it's uh and so they're all in powdered form, so we don't have to we don't have to um, 
uh, use preservatives or, or and it makes our product lighter and easier to work with. Um, but we're making the best in class, in my judgment, in, in, in those three products. And then we have two hydration uh, systems. Uh, one is based upon fermenting mushrooms and the other one is based upon fermenting honey. And uh, in both of those cases, again, they're, they're best in class. And then lastly, um, we have uh, two serums. One is a, uh, is a face serum uh, called Shield, and, um, and that, that is, uh, that's rooted around uh, astaxanthin, as I mentioned earlier, and, and utilizes other botanicals like chamomile and uh, marigold. And then I have an eye serum that, is, uh, that also can um, be good to use around the eyes and, and very, very soothing and healing to the more delicate tissue. So that's basically, and someone can go to our website and study all the ingredients and all of the, the, um, the microbial life and algae and everything that we've chosen. You know, and you've brought up fermentation a couple of times. And is that, is that like a, a supercharging process? Like what happens when grapes become wine? Is that how that yes. Works? It's a perfect way of putting it, Todd. It is. I, I, and in that vein, it was really the idea of choosing those strains of microbial life that have been researched and studied the most for uh, for uh, reactive skin, and so um, strains like oxy like uh, L. ruteri, for example, is one of my favorites, which was shown to uh, to upregulate oxytocin. Um, one of the key uh, exciting points for me was realizing that the skin is uh, is acknowledged uh, by a number of scientists as a third brain, and that the skin is interacting constantly with it, the microbiome that's li that's living on it and communicating with it. And so we have done our best to facilitate that communication. And that's why we talk about uh, speak the skin's language because the skin really actually is speaking. The skin is, I mean, it's not like, if it's not, it doesn't have a vocal cord, but it does have a nervous system and it's creating serotonin, it's creating melatonin, it's creating uh, endorphins, it's creating all these different compounds, much like your central nervous system does. It's a little bit like who would have thought 50 years ago that the gut was making 70% or whatever it is of serotonin or neurotransmitters are produced in your gut. And that's why the gut became called the second brain. Well, the skin is a third brain. And, um, and my, my goal over the last couple of years, Todd, has been to create a line of products that respects that and, um, and, and I believe facilitates that communication. Fascinating stuff. Uh, you know, I, I know we've been talking for a while, and I, I feel like we could just keep talking all day. <laughs> let's, just, uh, yes. just, let, let, let's just end with this, Paul. What, what's your basic message for people who want to avoid and or survive the coronavirus, and, and also for those who want to live a healthy, sustainable, sentient, compassionate life into the 22nd century? We might not any of us see it, but it's going to be there, hopefully waiting for us. So uh, what, 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 what's a nice, uh, you know, mission or, or goal that you can, you can present us with a little, little inspiration in this conversation? 
Thank you, Todd. I I think the answer is is to it's it's like that famous expression that a that a crisis has embedded within it the field of opportunity, and I think that that is really what's what I I feel a sense of optimism that that we have a chance to wake up. It's like that famous. Uh, the famous observations that are going on now. We can see the sky. We can we can see species that we haven't seen for for decades because of our of our um, unconscious uh, relationship with the with with the earth. And so I think we're in an opportunity a phase of immense opportunity. And I think that if we use it right, as, and and again going zooming into our our small industry. I think if we approach it with a sense of, of optimism and holism, uh, I think we have a chance to really shift consciousness in this country so that we can become a healthier and, and more vibrant culture. I just think we need to look around. We need to look at other countries, like I said, like look at Japan or, or look at, at the healthiest countries in the world and see what are they doing. And um, and and I think that much of what they're doing is they're active. They're they're relying upon the plant kingdom for for the for the support that it can give, and are thinking more holistically. And I think that's really a, a message that will resonate with with the world. I think we just need to listen to our hearts and souls. And uh, and and get beyond the fear and trust that nature has has the answer for us and um, and just to build our systems. That is good. Beautiful, beautiful words. Um, Paul Schulich, thank you for taking the time this morning. Really appreciate it. Uh, Paul Schulich is the co-founder of For the Biome. You can go to ForTheBiome.com. That's an E on the end of biome. And uh, and check out uh, how some of these uh, words and sentiments and ideas are making their way into some really cutting edge supplement style uh, products uh, to make us all more beautiful, healthier, happier people. So, Paul, thanks again for taking the time uh, today and uh, really appreciate it. And thank you, Todd, for your time and your energy and, and your wisdom. All right. That's it for now. Take care, and we'll see you on another edition of the Healthy Insider Podcast. That's all for today. Thank you for listening to a Healthy Insider Podcast, now available on Apple Podcasts or through Google Play. Subscribe now to never miss an episode.